If you've been working with children or teens for more than a day, you've probably had to deal with some sort of tough situation, a fight, a tantrum, disobedience, something that required you to stop whatever was going on and deal with the problem. Well, I've put together this step-by-step guide to help you make sure that every time a problem comes up, you can be sure you're making the best decision possible for how to handle it, and you're using it as a ministry opportunity along the way. My name is Michael Collins. You're listening to the Maximize Youth Ministry podcast. This podcast exists to help you make the most out of your ministry, whether you're at a church, a school, or a summer camp, or something else where you're working with kids in a Christian setting. We're here for you. So, let's get into it. Now, I've called this the Tough Case System. CASE is an acronym. There's going to be a lot of acronyms in this, as a matter of fact, but CASE stands for Child and Situational Evaluation. So it's a step-by-step process for getting an evaluation of what's happening of the child or teen that you're working with, how they're doing, what they need, and gathering information so that you can make the best possible decision. So in addition to working in youth ministry, I'm a first aid instructor, lifeguarding, first aid, wilderness, first aid, all that sort of stuff. I've been doing it for a long time. And if you've ever taken a first aid class, the majority of the class has probably got you walking through these steps of sizing up the scene, preparing your PPE, checking to see how many people are injured, whether they look conscious or unconscious, telling somebody to call 911. And it just goes through these steps of gathering information about what's going on before you start, before you make a decision of what needs to happen next, of what care needs to be provided, of what you can do to help. And I thought, man, it would be nice to have something like the first aid system for dealing with situations that come up when you're working with kids. Two kids get into a fight in everybody's emotions are high, it's chaos, people are angry, kids are crying, you know, it's it's just crazy. I'm sure you've experienced something like this. And the goal of a first aid course is to, just like in a first aid situation, an emergency, things are crazy. And so that's why and people are, their adrenaline's through the roof, they're freaking out, they're panicking, there could be lots of different people running around, and it's just chaos. And the goal of the first aid course is that when you're panicking and emotions are high and there's adrenaline and all sorts of stuff, you'll have gone through these steps so many times that you can just go through again and be able to still be effective and gather information even if you are a little bit unsure or you're worked up or whatever else. And dealing with situations with kids can be similar to those emergency situations sometimes. If it gets really bad, if kids get into a fight, some kid throws a tantrum, starts screaming, or it gets really mad, or maybe shuts down and won't talk to anybody, that sort of thing. It can be, you can be unsure. You're like, oh, good grief, what's happening? It can be chaos. And so the tough case system is designed so that you can go through these steps in your head and Make sure you're covering all your bases bef- and gathering all the information that you- possible so that you can have a complete understanding of the situation and therefore you'll be making the best possible decision if you make sure you understand everything that's been happening. Does that make sense? So, again, <laughs> I mentioned tough case. Case is an acronym. There's going to be a lot of acronyms. I'm going to talk through each of them, but 
if you're like me, you're more of a visual person, it can be hard to follow just listening. So if you want, you can go to my Instagram, Michael, M-I-K-E-L-W Collins. And in my, on my profile, I'll have the tough case system in a highlight or a uh, saved story on my profile. You can look through there or you can go to MaximizeYouthMinistry.com. And I will give you a free downloadable PDF that has this system written out on it so you can have it in front of you and use that. All right. So giving away totally for free. Just type in your email at MaximizeYouthMinistry.com. It'll be right there on the front page when you get to the website and uh, I'll send it to you for free. Sound good? Okay. So let's go in and get into it real quick. The tough case system, the first acronym that we're going to talk about is SLEEP. S-L-E-E-P, okay? And there's no reason for it to be sleep other than that's just what the words happen to spell. But I kind of like to remember it as when it's chaotic and kids are upset or running around or whatever's happening, it would be really nice if everybody decided to take a nap and calm down. So it's kind of goofy, but that's one way you can remember it. But the S in sleep stands for separate. So this is your first step. You walk in to some something crazy happening, and let's say it's a fight. Two kids, one kid got mad and punched another kid in the face. Now they're both upset. Maybe they're both crying. One's crying, and one's just angrily sitting in the corner. And the first thing you need to do is separate, okay? Separate both the kids from each other and, even more importantly, those kids from from the rest of the group because the other kids are going to be very curious, freaking out maybe, just causing more problems, getting... It's going to be chaotic, all right? And so if we can separate them from the rest of the kids and bring them into a calm environment, this is going to help us tremendously. It's going to do a bunch of things. The first thing is always, the first step is always going to be to calm them down because we need to be able to communicate with them effectively and talk to them like people and have them talk back to us. And we're not going to be able to do that if they're trying to talk through tears or anger or anything. So we need to bring them into a calm environment and so they can calm down, help them calm down and regain control of themselves. And then we can move on to gathering information. Also, separating them from the rest of the kids will do something else that'll help you out. It will establish you as the person who's in control. You're the one in control of this situation. You have the, or, the authority to take people out of a room, put them in another room or moving people around. It reestablishes you as the person who's in control of the situation by making them get up and walk into another room. Now, when you go into someplace calm, something else you need to keep in mind is you want to go somewhere that is private but not secluded. So what do I mean by that? You want to go somewhere where you can talk with the kid one-on-one without being interrupted or without them being unwilling to talk because there's other people around. And that, that's another reason to separate them is they can be embarrassed to talk about things or explain themselves or show emotions or anything if they're around their friends or they can be intimidated by the number of people around. So getting them one-on-one is incredibly beneficial for that reason as well. But you don't want to go somewhere secluded. 
By secluded, I mean into or behind a locked door where it's just the two of you, because then we have to worry about allegations of child abuse. If you don't have a policy in place in your organization to protect yourselves and your kids from child abuse and allegations of child abuse, the first policy you need to put in place is the rule of three. You never have just an adult and a child separate in a private space, just the two of them. So you need to find somewhere where you can talk one-on-one, but you're still probably visible to the rest of the group, or it's in like a hallway where there can be people walking by. It's not in a in your office with the door locked, okay? So if you have to go into another room in your office or something like that, keep the door open. If you have to go somewhere that is secluded, take somebody else with you. And it's better to do it one-on-one most of the time because you don't want the child to be intimidated by having two adults standing over them. But if you have to go somewhere, if you don't have somewhere that is private and not secluded or cut off from the rest of the group, you need to take another adult with you. But once you've brought them into that calming separate environment, then the next step is listen. This is the L in sleep. We need to listen to them. Once they've calmed down, talk to them and listen to what they have to say, okay? And this is where we have another acronym underneath listen is sample. And if you've ever taken a first aid class, sample is going to sound familiar. There are sample questions associated with first aid. These are different sample questions, but the acronym worked out. So I kept it the same. But you are going to go through these questions in your head. You're not going to necessarily ask the child out loud, do you feel these things? But this is just a mental checklist to be like, okay, is it possible that they're feeling this way or this way or this is happening? And this is what SAMPLE stands for. SAMPLE is suppressed, ashamed, misunderstood, phobia, last food or drink, which is actually the same as the first aid sample, and earlier trauma. Okay, so let's go through those one by one. Suppressed. Is it possible that the child is feeling suppressed? Do they Are they not able to communicate something? Maybe they're being ignored by you. I mean, possibly they've been overlooked, something to consider. Maybe they're being ignored or they feel ignored by the pers- their other youth leader or whoever is in charge of their group, if it's not you. Maybe they're feeling ignored or n- unheard or unseen by the other kids that are around them. So this behavior, whatever it is, could be an attempt to be seen or to a, a, they're releasing frustration or anger at not being able to effectively communicate what they are needing, wanting, or feeling. It could be that they're not being ignored, but they themselves aren't able to communicate adequately. And so this is the only way that they know to get attention. So are they being suppressed or feeling suppressed. They might not be being suppressed, but they could be, if they're still feeling suppressed, that's still an issue. Okay. Ashamed. Are they embarrassed? Maybe this what incident was them trying to cover up something that they're ashamed of. Maybe they were being made fun of and they lost it. It's a defense mechanism, basically, to an embarrassment. They're trying to cover something up, something like that. M is misunderstood. Did the child understand that their behavior was wrong? Do you completely understand the situation? So there's several different ways there could be a misunderstanding. It could be on your part. You don't understand exactly what happened. Did you actually see it? That's something to consider. What have you heard? Okay. Did the 
child or teen not understand that what they were doing was against the rules. And that's part of the reason you have to make your rules and expectations extremely clear at the beginning of any event. But is this a misunderstanding between the child or the teen and the group leader? Or is it a misunderstanding between the child and the other child if there's two or more involved? All of these are things to consider. But double check and just make sure that your understanding of the situation is the same as theirs. And that is also the same as anybody else who saw or is involved with the situation. P stands for phobia. Are they afraid? Is there something, did something scare them? And this might not be something that makes any sense. They might be scared of something that you don't think a normal kid would be scared of. And I'll explain more about that at the end of the sample, but we're going to move past it for now. L is last food or drink. When did the child last eat or drink? Which might sound kind of funny, but dehydration and being hungry can have a huge negative effect on your mood and your mental capacity. Being dehydrated or hungry doesn't only affect you physically, it reduces your brain's ability to problem solve and think critically and things like that. By the time you feel thirsty, studies have shown that you are your brain is 10% less effective at regulating your emotions. Okay? So having water available for the kids can cut down on your behavioral issues a lot. So that's something I highly recommend is make sure that the kids have water available to them. Also, when did they last eat? Same thing with food. If they haven't eaten, if they skipped breakfast, you know, they can be hangry. (laughs) It's a funny word, but it is a real thing. So see when the last time they ate or drank something is. That might be the source of all of these problems. But the last thing is earlier trauma. Ashamed, phobia, and earlier trauma are often very connected. If the child is ashamed or embarrassed about something that a child wouldn't normally get embarrassed about or afraid of something that a child isn't normally afraid of, it could be a trigger from an earlier trauma they experienced in their life. Any behavior issues that you can't find another good reason for And it just doesn't make any sense. Like the child isn't saying, I just got really angry or like they stole my my pencil or whatever, or I just am bored. I don't want to do this. You know, if it's just seemingly out of the blue, like you were playing a game, everything was fine. And then all of a sudden they lose it. There's a good chance it's related to an earlier trauma, especially if you know that the child comes from a rough home or had a rough background or a rough time growing up. So these things are often connected and and can be the hardest to spot, especially if you don't know the child's past. So that, the sample questions are all under the listen. You're going to listen to the child, connect, talk to them, figure out what happened, figure out their side of the story, go through the sample questions and think, is it possible that they're feeling suppressed? Is it possible that they were afraid or embarrassed by something here? Once you have checked all these boxes, you can figure out maybe what is causing the problem so you can deal with that and make sure it doesn't happen again. But you need to make sure that you are listening to the child to understand them, not to <clears throat> not to gather information or ammunition that you can use against them to dish out harsher punishments and not to find things to lecture them on. Okay? You need to communicate with them, not harangue them and lecture them on 
how bad they've been. Once we have listened to the child, then we come to evaluate. That's the next part of sleep. We've got separate, listen, and evaluate. And inside of evaluate, evaluate's when we make the decision of, okay, what are we going to do next? What Have we figured out what's going on? And now let's decide what's going to happen. And inside of evaluate, we've got another acronym, which is READ, R-E-E-D, which stands for repetition, events leading up to the incident, eyewitness, and decide. Okay, so let me talk you through those. The first one is repetition. Ask yourself, is this behavior being repeated? Is this the first time something like this has happened? Or is this the second or third or fourth or fifth time? If it is, there may be something specific triggering it, especially if the behavior, let's say you've got, if you've got a set schedule and the behavior is occurring around the same time each day, if you're with these kids all day, or if it occurs right after lunch or whatever, depending on what, how your program works, if it's around the same time, it may be that something that's happening 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour beforehand is triggering this negative behavior. Repeat behavior could also be a sign that there needs to be more consequences, that whatever you did last time wasn't effective. So you have to be a little bit harsher with the discipline this time. And then we have the other events leading up to the incident. So make sure that you have a full understanding of what was going on just before the incident took place. So whatever happened, where were you? What did you see, hear, smell? Anything, anything that you can get information from. And that also leads into eyewitness. Did you see what happens at what happened? Um, hopefully, if not, or even if you did, you want to make sure you talk or have another adult talk to anyone else who might have seen the incident take place. Okay? Make sure you get every side of the story. Every adult that was nearby or that saw it, kids who saw it, kids who were involved, okay? Make sure you, somebody's talked to everybody to get every side. Once you've gone through all of that, then it's time to actually decide. And when you get to the decision, you need to figure out if you're going to care first or correct first. By care first, I mean that maybe this problem can be solved without discipline. And it depends on what the issue is, okay? Don't freak out on me just yet, but it's possible that the, this child is not actually wanting to disobey, but this is just a reaction to something. And if you can provide them support and care and help them think through and understand how to behave differently next time, that might be all it takes to end it. Or maybe you need to correct, you need to discipline in some way. But the goal of discipline is to always to stop the behavior while causing as little discomfort as possible, which means we're trying to stop the bad behavior, stop whatever it is that's happening with as little force as possible. We want to use the bare minimum that it takes to correct the behavior or make sure it doesn't happen again. This means that when you're trying to make this decision, you need to think through the sample again. Suppressed, ashamed, misunderstood, phobia, last food or drink, earlier trauma. The thing is, all of those are good reasons for a child to misbehave. You understand what I'm saying? I mean that it's not coming from nowhere. It's not just willful disobedience if it's one of the, the sample questions. But just because the child has a good reason for what they did 
doesn't mean that we can allow it to continue. We have to stop the bad behavior, even if it's happening because they're scared and it's because of earlier trauma, okay? Just because they have a good reason for it doesn't mean that it's, we can allow it to continue. That's not helping them. That's not helping the other kids. That's not helping our ministry. That's not helping our leaders. We have to stop the behavior. Maybe it means that we don't need to use as much discipline. Maybe they need care, not correction. If it's just a, let's say, a reacting purely out of fear, then punishment isn't going to help that. We need to help them not be afraid. And so we need to care for them more. But whatever it is, we have to stop the behavior. So we need to decide, are we going to care? Are we going to correct? Are we going to do both? If we're doing both, which one comes first? And then we have to explain this to the child. And explain is the second E in sleep. So I'm going to go through sleep one more time. Separate, listen, evaluate, and explain is where we're at right now. So make sure that they understand exactly what has happened and what is going to happen. So we've got in explain, we have past, present, and future, just so as an easier way of breaking these things up. We want to make sure in the past category that they understand what they did was wrong, why it was wrong, also what they did right and why it was right. If they, you can find something that the child did right, it's going to greatly improve their willingness to listen to you and your relationship with them and the smoothness of this whole process if you can find something to praise them on. If you can say, listen, what you did here was wrong. It's good that you did this thing, whatever this thing is. good that you went and told somebody after it happened or whatever, but you still shouldn't have stomped on Joey's glasses or whatever it is. Then we've got present, which is what's about to happen. What's going to happen next and why, which is if we're going to care, it's like, okay, you know, you and I are going to go and get you some water to drink and let you sit and calm down for a minute just so that you can feel better. And then when you're feeling better, we can go. Or if it's a correction, it's listen, you're not allowed to play dodgeball anymore because I told you, you know, ideally you should have told them already, but because you broke the rules, because you know what you did was wrong. We've talked about that already. And since you did, since you broke this rule, this is what's happening. And then we've got future, which is what are the expectations we have moving forward? Okay. So we've covered this. They've, they're being cared for or corrected. And we're going to explain to them, listen, I'm you, this should not ever happen again. Okay. And we're going to explain why it's better for them to behave that way. So something when I'm dealing with fights, something that I always tell the the kids is, listen, if somebody's bothering you and you try to handle it yourself by fighting them, then you and them are both going to get in trouble. Or I'll say, and you, if you try, if somebody's bothering you and you try to handle it yourself by fighting them, then you're going to get in trouble. But if you go and tell the youth leader, then the youth leader can handle it and you won't get in trouble and the situation will still be handled. So I explain why it's better for them to go and tell somebody instead of fighting. And so that's the explained. We wanna to try to explain and until we're sure that the child understands everything because we don't want them to leave this thinking that we're being unfair. 
they might accuse us of being unfair in an attempt to get out of trouble. But if we have explained to them everything, all of these things, and especially if we made our expectations clear at the start of what the rules were and what was going to happen if they broke those rules, then it's very hard for them to try to accuse us of being unfair if we're just following through on what we said. But now we're getting to the end of sleep. So separate, listen, evaluate, explain, and then pray. Okay, you always want to end every interaction by praying with the child and for the child. These care and correct, these discipline moments are usually the best times to show children how much God loves them. Okay, it's always one of my favorite parts of the job. It's one of the most stressful parts, but it's an opportunity for me to show them that even though they're in trouble, I still care about them. I'm still, I'm on their side. And that's the biggest thing is we don't want to ever be against the child. We're always on their side, even when we're disciplining them. It's, listen, I told you this was going to happen. If you broke the rules, you broke the rules. Now this is going to happen, not because I'm wanting to punish you, but because I have to enforce these rules to keep everybody safe. Okay. And so trying to show them that we're on their side, point them to Christ and expressing love and care for them even when they're in trouble and pointing them to Christ by praying with them, okay? And if they don't want to pray, you can say like, okay, can I pray for you? And then maybe they will, usually they'll be fine with that, especially if they are already in a church or at a Christian organization, but you sometimes you might work with kids that have never Never been. To, I've worked with kids who have never been to church in their lives because I work at a summer camp. So praying with them is an amazing ministry opportunity, and it helps you to change the way that you see them. Because if we have you have one kid who's always getting in trouble, you can start to look at them as the troublemaker or a nuisance or just dread being around them or dread when they show up. But if you pray for them, and this works with adults too, anybody that's bothering you, pray for them and it'll help you to stop looking at them as the person who's causing you problems and start seeing them the way that God sees them and not as a nuisance. So that is a quick outline of the tough case system. Again, you can get a free PDF of this at MaximizeYouthMinistry.com or if you just want to take a quick look at your phone, Go to Instagram, Michael W. Collins on Instagram, and it's M-I-K-E-L. I know it's spelled weird, but find me on Instagram, and you, on my profile, you should see something that says Tough Case. Click on that, and it'll show you a visual outline of this whole thing. And if you want to learn more about this, this is a very quick overview. If you want to hear me go more into each topic and uh, some other things, I have an online course at MaximizeYouthMinistry.com that goes into the Tough Case system and helps you learn how to implement this into your ministry. So I hope this has been helpful to you. I hope you've enjoyed this show. If you did, please leave follow us. If you're not, if you're not subscribed, subscribe. That's a huge help. Appreciate you guys. Go out there and keep making a difference. See you in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode. At the time of recording this, we have five reviews on Apple Podcasts and four on Spotify. I would love it if you could go and increase that number by one. It'd mean a lot to me and let me know that you are out there, you're listening, and you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much for listening.